Hello and welcome to another episode of Shh, Don't Tell My Mom. Today we are joined with Heather Hundhausen. Uh, <laughs> Hundhausen. And, uh, <laughs> and she is a, a healer and a Renaissance woman. She has uh, many skills. I am uh, so happy to know her in real life. And um, and I'd love you to talk talk about what you're what you're up to right now, Heather. What I'm up to right now, that's what you want to know about. So as a professional, um, I started out studying psychology and English because I'm fascinated with humans. And I actually ended up putting my hands on people as a licensed massage therapist 20 years ago and realized that there's more to people than just pain patterns, that they interact with each other and carry each other's pain. And so I went and got my master's in mental health and marriage and family. And then I learned um, somato-emotional release and craniosacral therapy and started working with people on like releasing pain out of their body. And as I did that, uh, began a coaching program for people, which is really about self-love and empowerment. And uh, started with like teaching women how to love themselves and take care of themselves. And then somehow I ended up with a bunch of men in my practice. And then before you know it, I had like strippers and dominatrixes and people in non-monogamous and open relationships, like lots and lots of them. I was attracting them everywhere. <laughs> and so the focus of coaching has become, uh, you know, I like using that sexual creative energy to support people in creating because a lot of people are looking for like, what's my purpose or, um, you know, where do I belong in the world? but many of us are taught that sexuality is something to be ashamed of. Um, so I, I like to dig into it and I'll ask questions like, what does your heart want? What does your gut want? What does your pussy want? And I get people really in touch with their whole body. Um, and so that's what I've been up to professionally for the last couple of years. Okay, yeah. So as I wanted to convey to the audience that you're up to a lot of things that you have a, a vast amount of knowledge and um, have been exposed to many different styles of relationships. Um, do you see any overarching themes with your uh, life coaching work where people have similar issues? Oh, yeah, I mean, everybody has similar issues. I would say that uh, what makes me a good coach or what makes somebody a good coach is like I say that I've been to hell and back. And so I'm willing to go to hell and back with you. Um, so I've done a lot, a lot, a lot of personal development. Like my personal story is, you know, I was raised in a alcoholic home with a father who was like a rageaholic and controller. Um, and he like taught me ways of being in relationship that are effective, but I don't think are in integrity. Um, and so as I've been exploring this whole realm of what, what does it mean to be a dominatrix? Um, I've been able to use a lot of those teachings, you know, that my dad taught me growing up. <laughs> does that answer the question? So your dad's a dominatrix? My dad is like a super controller and my dad was like, Hey, this is how you manipulate men with your sexuality in order to get what you want, including money, like as a kid. Like he taught me how to walk in heels. He taught me how to get what I want, how to attract men, like all of that stuff. Was, uh, 
your mother there when yeah. you were a child? My mother was too? there as a child too. My mother was like a trophy wife, really, really beautiful. Okay. Fun, outgoing, hat wearing, loud color wearing, laughing, like you couldn't miss her. She would walk in the room and people would literally, <gasps> she was absolutely gorgeous. Um, wow, that's, it's interesting to see, like, you as an adult now, looking at your father and your mother's relationship, and seeing the, um, this controlled, controlling person controlling yeah. your mother. Trying, trying, but my mother was incredibly... Huh independent. My grandfather actually called her a wild stallion that you couldn't tame. And my dad thought he could tame mm. her, but he couldn't. So I had two very controlling, very powerful parents who neither could control the other. <laughs> Got it. So it was like a sort of like a wrestling match. It was like a wrestling match or it was pop. like uh, fireworks or explosions, you know. <laughs> bombs <laughs> intense it was intense that's for sure um <laughs> now, you it, 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 well i'm trying to like link you just try to make don't, don't tell, tell my, my mom, mom. <laughs> try, to, try to link the uh that relationship i guess with how you are developing currently well, so this is, this is interesting, right? So I became like a super good codependent good girl, right? So I spent my childhood, like, let's go to church. And I was like, really Christian, um, praying a lot. And like, I was trying to find something to hold on to that felt real. So like my spirituality started really young. Um, and because I became such a good codependent and good people pleaser, I ended up in relationships where I wanted to be controlling and dominant because that's what was modeled for me, but also wanting to be this people pleaser who took care of everybody because that was my role as a child. So it was very confusing to like figure out like how do I be this powerful woman like i like to be in control of my life i like it a lot but i also like to surrender to god so it's an interesting dynamic um and then in relationship i i was incredibly controlling in a lot of my relationships before i did any personal development and i was it was emasculating um, so i would actually take my partner's power from them and be like i'm in charge and I didn't know I was doing that. It was all very like subconscious. So when I started learning that, you know, people don't like that, that it's not, it's very disempowering. And I started to learn, okay, how do I empower someone? I actually went from like this side of being super controlling, nagging and critical, like all the way to this side, which was uh, like submissive and passive and you can do whatever you want to me. And I became like a door mat. Right. So I went from one side to the other. And I was also exploring like the masculine and the feminine aspect at the same time. Um, Cause there's a dynamic, you know, men are driving and they're 
you know, pounding. <laughs> and, you know, if you're looking at 10 million years of like mitochondria that's living inside of a man body with testosterone, you know, this is a mammoth killer. This is a strategy planner. They're lo logical. They stand side by side against the enemy, right? And so there's a big part of me that's like that. But women are social and they talk and they're raising babies and every moment is a new moment because what worked with a baby yesterday doesn't work with a toddler today and that doesn't work with a teenager tomorrow. And so women are super fluid and they ha you know, have to be, and they're open, like literally their body's open you know, for this like driving masculine. Um, so I got to experience that side also. Um, and so for me, it's been like, how do, you, how do you come in the middle and have both of those things? Yeah, yeah, the the like the extremes um and then there's the the moderate that that you're trying to get into like into the middle of those two extremes. Right. That's right. I feel like that's a lot of philosophy speaks into that. Right. That's why I like role play uh, so much. Because when you're when you're like dominatrix and sub like there's a there's a, a role that you're playing right like so I can play this like super controlling powerful person or I can play this you know totally surrendered submissive person and then I can just be Heather who's like I don't know however I'm going to show up in the moment you know but when you've met both of these roles all the stuff in the middle makes sense when I'm just being me yeah I, I guess I would take that and put it into terms that I understand. So I like to dance and, um, and there's a lead and a follow. Right. And then there's like, and the leads are the dominant, right? right? And follows are the submissive. And to be a great follow, you need to be really paying attention to your lead to have that connection where if your lead does one thing, the follows, oh. he knows what the, or he or she knows what the follow is going to do. Right. And then they can interact with each other. And, and those interactions can compound on each other because of like the trust in the, in the relationship that you create on the dance floor. Yeah, I love and then there's with like, you. And then there's the switched position, right? Where you can be on top, or like you can. Yeah. Well, I say like who's on top because who is the dominant one or who is the leader, right? And no one knows who the leader will be until the leader know, like the leader leads and the other person submits to that lead in the moment and then can also take and be empowered to take charge and, right. and lead. Right. That's why and I that's like, like dancing with you so much because I like you leading, but I also like leading. And so I, I'm able to surrender to your leading, but if I can't follow you or I don't know what's expected of me, what's so beautiful is the way you'll just like, follow me, pick me up and go back to leading. And it's like, it's the most fun I've ever had dancing ever because I don't ever feel like I mess up. Yeah, because uh, that's not what dancing is. Dancing is not a form in which you can be um, like messing up. There shouldn't, right. there's, there's like um, a philosophy that I'm creating or that has been created that is much more like Bruce Lee in uh, martial arts where he was like, 
this is kung fu and this is how kung fu goes right but if you fucking hit somebody in the ankle or whatever and it's an <laughs> illegal move they're toast they're dead right it's like it doesn't make any sense that there is this form and i that's the same thing when i see salsa and stuff i'm just like there's no it just makes no sense that there is salsa there should just be like it the empowered person that you are and you're leading or following or switching or whatever but you have generated your own style that that allows you to interact with the music yeah i mean uh, my body's think, responding to you so well right now everything you're saying is like ah there's this like relaxation happening through my like all the way through my whole body that's like there's a relief in what you're saying right and you could apply that to dancing or life or sex like any of it you know having a partner or or knowing inside of yourself like there is no right or wrong way it's like you choose how you want to move your body to the music and if you're going to do it with a partner you decide like who's in charge you know and that could go for life or like life partnership relationships or that could go for dancing or that could go in the bedroom well, well, why I like dancing so much is that the song ends and you get another partner. So there's never that moment in which you don't <laughs> think that you know the right move anymore because this is a new person and they'll have a lot more influence and interaction with you where you can like find all that even ground. It's when you have that relationship through through a long period of time where your moves stop being uh, dynamic and start being predictable moves in which you move all the time. And, uh, and I, I feel like that is like a, a hindrance or like a stumbling block for myself because I like constantly want that new partner mm. and, uh, and I want something that's novel and I want something that is like really impactful and um which creates me and makes me dynamic as a person but it doesn't really make me stable because i want that like destabilization all the time mm -hmm. uh, i wonder if that comes from like expectations and attachment like if you had expectation like you experience one partner and then like you're saying you know you get to know their moves so to speak but because maybe it's because you think you know what their moves are but maybe you don't like maybe they're just as dynamic and and maybe something different is going to happen but because you have attachment to the expectation that it's going to show up in a specific way it's boring or you feel like you need some other well i don't think what i'm doing is the end result for me as a person as a, like a human being because i feel like i'm still in development well aren't we always yeah we're developing right and I, I i always feel like a little uh, half cooked uh or i have been feeling half cooked because i i feel like you know i know i know things but i don't know how to practice things and i don't know how to practice things as diligently to have them as as like mastery over those things you know right so like i'm still in like this knowledge and uh new experiences phase of like my whole overarching uh like life um and and uh the most comfortable 
relationships that I have are, are um, the dancing or like that dynamic or those, you know, uh, weekend or one night relationships or those week or whatever it is. But the, but that's like where my comfort lies in, in the, and then it, it gets uncomfortable when they, when they mature and, um, and I'm still looking at that and, and working through that in my own life. So have you ever sat with the discomfort? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I guess I'm not like trying to defend my, my, my own perceived lack of, of, um, being a stable partner. I'm just expressing it like you were saying in sex and, uh, and I was speaking into dancing and we, and we both met at relationships that it, and that they are reflections. They're all reflections of these, uh, of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was then looking at my own personal relationships in this moment to, 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 to try to like ruminate the ideas that we're discussing now in real time, which is fantastic. I think. Mm -hmm. okay, I'm just talking a lot now. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think there's a lot of benefit to those styles of ho like hobbies like sex as a hobby or as like a like as a as a learning experience and using and using the relationships that you create um and like the learnings that you it, and you use the act of sex as like a place to learn from right yeah, and it's not even always about sex, um, like what I'm learning about dominating and what I'm learning about like the master-slave relationship even, right? So those are strong words that at first I had a lot of like resistance to, master and slave. Like I don't want anybody to feel like they're a slave, you know? But at the same time, um, the more that I start to understand it, it's like, you know, let's, let's call it the master and slave because it's fun to look at and it really isn't about sex, right? You like just distinct you're pulling you're weeding that up for a minute so the master is this controller on this side and manages like the money the business like how are we going to grow money what house are we going to buy uh like personal growth my personal growth your personal growth uh my personal health your personal health like the big decisions and then the slave is the one who like actually, so the master then tells the slave, like, we're going to do this. And we're going to, then this one actually carries a lot of that little stuff out. And this one's the one making like the big decisions and interacting with, I don't know, like the bigger, the bigger things. And then this one. Macro and micro. Yeah. And this macro, one is like handling picture. dishes and laundry and, and yes. making sure that this one is supported. Right. But this one is making sure that this one is supported. And, and I'm finding myself in a relationship like this right now. We're like very deliberately playing like this, where I'm choosing this role, which comes very naturally for me. It's very easy for me to uh, make a lot of money, figure out how to make more money. 
handle the money, budget the money, save the money, invest the money. Like that's all very easy for me. And for this person, it's a pain in the ass, right? But for this person, like organizing and spreadsheets and uh, technology and that kind of stuff is like easy. That that's like bullshit for me. I hate that stuff, right? So like I'm able to support with these skills or gifts, and and this person's able to support with these skills or gifts, and it actually makes this bunch of success happen. Does that make sense? And actually, like I love being in this role. It's super easy for me. And this person's like a gigantic supporter. So it's super easy to be in this like surrendered position. And the more I allow myself to be in this control position, the more he allows himself to be in the surrender position, the more freedom actually we're both feeling and the safer we're both feeling and the healthier we're both feeling like it's this crazy dynamic that I never ever thought would happen with words like master and slave. Like, I don't necessarily like those words, but I'm loving the role. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like those. I don't like slave. <laughs> uh, that's a, 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 a word that holds a negative connotation right. in our country. Absolutely. In the world, right? It's Absolutely. like a... It's like the fight against slavery is everywhere, <laughs> right. right? It's abundant. It's, it's all over the place. Right. Um, and the ma in the role of the master, and like, it is it is a, a, a it, it's like being a comedian. It's like using <laughs> it's the truth, right? It's like truth, but there's a play on the truth. Yes. Yeah, it's it's poking it's poking at that truth and it's turning it into a, a game and then through that maybe that's where healing comes from because that yeah. humor yeah. heals right right well and then the the craziest part is so then you take this master and this slave right and you have this uh, let's call it a dom and a sub right and this person's surrendered this person's in charge of everything. And then you take it in the bedroom and then you get a, a switch, right? Because now I feel super safe. I feel super provided for, um, taken care of. And then this one is like feeling super powerful because it's like I'm doing, I'm providing all of this for my woman, so to speak, right? And then so then when you end up like sexually, it flips because I'm like, take it you know, like whatever you want, because I've already gotten everything that I need. Right. And so when you look at like men and women in marriages, right. You like, I coach people on this all the time. I end up with these women who are super upset because the man has been this like controller and been demanding of, of this one, but it doesn't have that like dom and sub um, reward and punishment system. Does that make sense? So like these women are over here literally feeling like slaves, but well, they like, haven't been the reinforcement of, of like being provided for hasn't no, happened. No, I hear this term a lot, which is like talk to toxic masculinity, right? Mm. Toxic. Okay, yeah, let's get into this. This is great. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, let's get into this topic. This is one of my favorites. Well, uh, I just and I, I I've said it and um 
and other people have said it to me and it's been discussed, but I don't really know. I don't like, do you have a definition? Can you define? Yeah. So this is what is happening from my perspective. We are a shame culture. Okay. So the difference between toxic shame and shame. So toxic shame is I have feelings and I'm ashamed of them. Shame is I just stole a candy bar from a store and I'm a bad person, right? That's healthy shame. That actually keeps people behaving in a cultural situation. But when we have a culture of like big boys don't cry or a culture of like men provide financially and women should be cared for, blah, 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 right? Women are, are not taught to like allow men to feel and cry and men don't feel like they have the space to have feelings or cry or have problems at all. They feel like they need to solve all the problems. Um, which in reality, like if you take toxic shame out, like that's all bullshit. Like a woman is a super warm nest. She wants like a healthy woman wants a man to like cuddle up inside of her and lose his shit, right? But there's not very many women willing to hold a man through his pain. And there aren't many men willing to express that discomfort and that pain and their shame or they're not good enough. Brene Brown talks about the biggest shame points for men and women. For men, it's feeling like a failure. And for women, it's like body image and the mother thing, you know, like it doesn't matter if you're 20 with or without kids or 40 with or without kids, like there's mom shame and there's body shame. Um, but for men, like if you're, you know, if you're failing at anything, like it's shameful and like try to define failing. Like if you want to be successful in business, you have to fail. Like that's actually the definition of how to become successful like you have to fail and fail and fail and fail and figure out what's not working and then make it work um but when you get caught with these men who are so terrified of failing and unwilling to admit that they failed then they can't get support from anybody because they feel so ashamed so what do you you're going to end up with an angry dog basically that just runs around biting everybody and that's what happens i think that whole toxic masculinity i think it's also there's toxic women also who are nagging and berating and expecting uh you know basically to be treated like hookers or prostitutes um so why those two fit together you know there's these men who just don't have any feelings and then there's these women who think that they're basically supposed to be prostitutes you know just give me your money and take take me out pay for me and then you can have sex with me and then they control the relationship with sex right and they they end up together with these men who are like these controlled non-feeling aggressive men and and there you have an abusive relationship like it's a pretty they're attracted to each other out of that unwillingness to experience shame that's my definition okay thank you, thank you for that <laughs> There's a train. Uh -huh. um, this is happening. We are outside, obviously, on the train side. on the island. On yes. the, uh, there's a train on the island. 
because <laughs> we're a successful island. It's the islandoftaboo.com. If you guys don't know it, then you should go there. That's where we host all of these uh, videos. Anyways, back. Don't tell my mom, tell my mom is the web series that you're listening to currently. Um, it's fun to say. I like saying those things. Do we have uh, like two minutes for me to tell a hilarious story about don't tell your mom? Um, of course I do. I, of course I have okay. two minutes. Okay. So we're at lunch. I have two teenage boys and they love to play pranks on me, especially having to do with sex because I'm open about it. So they say, can you imagine picking up a salt shaker and dumping it in your mouth and tasting the way the salt feels or tastes? And I was like, yeah, I could imagine that. And they're like, go ahead and try. Have you seen this? So I take my salt shaker <laughs> and as I'm going, I realize my teenage boys, what they have me doing, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I cannot believe that you just made me do that. And they laughed so hard. <laughs> what a crazy, crazy family dynamic that you have currently. It's hysterical. It was so embarrassing. They said they made their dad and his wife do it too. It's just hysterical. Ridiculous. So ridiculous. So what you're saying is soon enough, there are going to be thousands of videos of people doing this. Or Evidently everyone in their, every, everyone in their school already knows about it. They know, they know not to do it. So this is already uh, um, wildfire, you know. It's a fire. Spread. You yes. just, you got caught up in the blaze <laughs> of uh, virility like, or whatever. what the hell? But they, <laughs> they laughed so hard they couldn't breathe. It was, it was a good laugh. Well, I'm glad you get to be there uh, for your children like that and, and be a person in which they can... Uh, express that i don't know how, how do you think how do you take that as like a high-minded ideal well they don't experience shame around sex well they yes yeah yeah back and back we go right to the shame yeah now i'm um i mean i was reflecting on those words when you were saying them and and finding the residency and like the shame of uh of failure yeah and um and I have a lot, uh, or I have money shame. It's mm -hmm. in there. It's all over yeah. me. And it's what I'm dealing with currently while yeah. I am in the midst of creating this amazing and uh, uplifting show with its great content. Um, <laughs> and it does sort of, um, it's painful when I, when I go to express that shame and when I, when I go to release it into someone who's supporting me and, and immediately be rejected and, and say like, I'm sorry that I brought it up. Right. Like, I'm sorry that I brought this up, but let me, you know, tell you all about the things that make me feel bad. And so you can take that, but right. I don't get to. And I, right. I, I do feel like that sometimes where it's like, yeah. completely fine for the other for for the person I'm in a relationship with to express their feelings towards me and that their feelings are valid right they right have valid feelings that are inside of them and they're and they're expressing them to me and, and when I go to express my feelings there's like no um ability to 
to handle to handle right. it and, and and try to shut that down and i go to my family with it and they try to shut it down or they uh, right. give like passing advice kind of like right. well if i had to do it i'd do it this way give me some 2020 hindsight over here thank mm -hmm. you makes me feel so much better when i should have never done that 10 years ago right that's why yeah. i'm unsuccessful now it's like such bs right and i but i look but my body loves it oh. like i it loves it it like feeds on the shame and in in that like sort of i'm a piece of shit and i shall always be a piece of shit and it's like yes that that's what resonates with me and then when somebody's like you're amazing you're like no you like it pass off this um you don't want to boast right you're like so you 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 uh you take out all the power from it right it's also a part of our shame culture oh mm -hmm. right because god forbid you be fine what does that make me uh-huh oh you know? mm -hmm. so yeah no i mean i've experienced this with you i mean i'm experiencing you being vulnerable right now you know and i think it's a hard thing to be able to admit that you know especially on a show like this and i've experienced you be like really vulnerable before you know oh. and to be able to like receive that and it's a beautiful thing and it's sad to me that people aren't able to, to do that, you know, because that's where love happens. Like that's where intimacy and connection happens. Where love happens. Wait, do you have like a definition for love? This is a complex, you know, Love is a complex thing. It is. I'm gonna say that uh, love is the only truth, the only real thing. And everything else is fear and the ego trying to survive. And I think that it's trying to survive two things. One, all relationships end. Either I leave, you leave, I die, or you die. And two, nobody's getting out of here alive. We're all dying. And I think the ego is fighting against these two things all of the time. And the opposite of that is love. That's really the answer. So love is the acceptance of, of ending? Yeah, love is knowing that there is no beginning, middle, or end. Oh. Love is knowing that there's no attachment, that you're not separate from me and I'm not separate from you and I'm not separate from the creator or the creation. Okay. That you've, you've just happened to have experiences in your human form that may, I may or may not have had and I may or may not interpret the same way as you do. But that doesn't mean that I can't sit with you in it. I'm letting that resonate with me. My definition of love is uh, unconditional acceptance. Um, so, you know, I could. I can align. <laughs> yeah, I can like, I could. I, I, and and I, forgiveness and understanding and presence and connection and vulnerability and intimacy. Yeah, there's just so much. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a difficult one to try to pin down. Mm-hmm. Because like when I say I love you, I want it to mean something to me. I want it to like. Is that the attachment? Maybe I don't know. I want it to read the ego. I, yeah, it's like I want. I feel like 
I'm defending myself against uh, against uh, the duality between someone saying that they love you and then like causing you pain. Yeah, so yeah. can someone else actually cause you pain or are those just your own attack thoughts? Um, well, I guess that's where the spanking comes in sometimes. Temporary. So temporary. Yeah, try to, spanking, try to though, you know? script on that one. Well, right, but the spanking is temporary, like, right? Like, yeah, if yeah. I if I slap like this, it's like, that's a very temporary pain. Now, if I sit and think about this all day long, that now I'm torturing and suffering, and, and now there's the pain that I think you're describing. Yeah, well, when you're um, mentally fra frail as, like, a young person, I think that those pains that are in a momentary and fleeting pain is something that you ruminate on to define yourself. Well, and the brain is from age zero to six, the brain is learning in a non-cognitive way, but just an emotional way, how to react to the world. And what's, where should I do fight, flight, or freeze? And where do I feel safe, right? So like in an environment like mine, there was a lot of fight, flight, and freezing, a lot. Mm -hmm. And so to rewire my brain to understand that um, those people were operating out of toxic shame all the time and that they did not know how to love and that has nothing to do with me being lovable or being able to love mm -hmm. so you're taking examples from your past mentally like you're capturing you're capturing instances and then you're you're like defusing them yeah. by saying uh, that they are operating from toxic shame and that, and then you use some, uh, some empathy on top of that. And like, in compassion, forgiveness, passion and forgiveness. Love. Yeah. And then you, and then you <laughs> wash off that area in which like is staining you currently. I, I mean, right. I, I right. So like, for instance, where, where for I, instance, right. When the boyfriend, my boyfriend recently like took off and I didn't know why. Okay. Mm -hmm. That brings up a whole bunch of abandonment issues for me. Okay. So what's the truth? Did he abandon me? No, I was attached to future memories. I was attached to past memories. I was attached to like evidence that he was going to stay and remain. Right. Also at being attached to, um, as a child, thinking that I should have gotten some kind of attention that the people that raised me were incapable of giving me and I didn't ask for, right? So it's like radical responsibility. And being responsible gives you power to act. So like, you yeah, but it's not even acting. It's really forgiveness of the self, right? There's no action. I'm not behaving in any, I mean, I'm, if I'm behaving in any way, the way that I'm behaving in is this world is created for me. Let me enjoy it and have pleasure from it. Mm -hmm. Let me find 
the beautiful, pleasurable parts. Instead of focusing on that I think somebody did something painful to me, because it's just a thought pattern. Because I could go outside and smell the flowers that are blooming and I could pet my cat and I could have an orgasm, right? And those are all pleasurable. If I could have a cup of tea, I could eat some chocolate, like I could do all kinds of pleasurable things. Or I could sit and ruminate and stew about my upbringing or that this person that I thought loved me doesn't or, right? But it's yeah, my yeah. choice. It's my, and it's my life and it's my freedom. It's my pleasure, you know? is my power. Like I get to keep all of that because I, I can. It's a choice. Yeah, it is a choice. It is a choice. And um, I think that there are people and there is like myself who see like that choice is an option or may not be an option. It's like, yeah, no, no, I was there. I, I had like debilitating anxiety with panic attacks, like for half my life. So like, I understand thinking that you're not in charge or that you're trapped somehow and that you're not free and that you don't have power and that you're not lovable. And like, I understand that. Absolutely. I've lived it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's getting, it's getting super deep here on the show <laughs> Getting some core, we're getting to some core work right now because we both play hard. We do. And, uh, look at the things that cause us pain. And I'm not scared of it. I don't think you are either. I, um, I don't, I, I think that I have fear. And that, that is there, it's always there. And, uh, and I haven't like gotten to a point where I can abate fear. Okay. But I act in a way in which people don't see that I have fear. Look at you, so vulnerable. I love you, Alex. I like went out, I'm like at motorcycle week right now and mm -hmm. it's freezing up here in New Hampshire. You have no idea. It's like the coldest day in Florida happened last night and I'm wearing my furry jacket and, mm -hmm. and walking around and everyone's in jeans and black tops, black jackets, black shirts, whatever. I don't even own, I don't own jeans. I don't own a black, I have a black t-shirt is the blackest <laughs> thing I have. And I'm fucking sitting there and I am terrified. It's scary to be it's that so guy. Colorful. But I wanted to be that guy because I wanted to listen to the fucking music that's down the street from me and I and I don't and I don't want other people or the the idea that I'm like uh that I'm like a fucking weirdo to stop me from enjoying myself. And I go down there and people bought me some drinks and Look at know, that. and fucking I was just there, man. I was in the I was the guy in the furry jacket. Either they, they loved me and they tried to do everything they could do in their power to to support and protect me, or they yeah. hated me. And the worst thing I got for that, a couple of things. <laughs> sort of got thrown out of a bathroom. And uh <laughs> and uh 
and and, and people badmouth me like all over the place. It's like there's the guy in the furry jacket, but you know <laughs> that's the that's the role of an artist. It, it is. is. Not, it is not. It is not it to is. make people feel joy. It's to make people feel. Exactly. It's just to have a feeling because. Exactly. That's my job too. I want you to fucking feel. Feel. Because yeah, yeah. people have anxiety and depression and they live these miserable, terrible lives because they're they everywhere else than in the present. Feel. Exactly. They're everywhere else than in the present. And if I can bring someone pre presence by being scared out of my mind and being vulnerable and just like wanting to do the things that I want to do. Mm -hmm. and, and, in, and in turn, people like. You give people permission, Alex. Yes. Yeah. You know, walking out there like that gives people permission to not wear jeans and a black shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's like weird how everyone looks exactly the same out here to me. Yeah. It's like it's, really, it's, it's like weird. scarily weird. And like and, and and like there are still this like freedom. Like I see motorcycles and I see like the motorcycle culture as like indomitable freedom in our country to do whatever the fuck you want to live to live in a tent and ride around on a motorcycle and not have any rules and drift from place to place that was my goddamn life all right i lived that life and now i'm here right and i'm expressing myself and these fucking people out there are buying patches and, and paying dues to be in a club and oiling their fucking beards <laughs> shiny ass beards out there i'm telling you right now these are the people who are supposed to be the most free people in the, in like the country are the are, are just posing right and there are some people that are so legit out there that i would never look at them the wrong way and there are some people that i just can't help but be like you're just in a gang like <laughs> this is not this is not the point you're missing the point and but you can say that about any group. You could say that I about know. the goth teenagers. You could say it about the super spiritual people. Like I'm just saying, I was, I was fearful for not fitting in. Yeah. And now I'm well, just like sort of raging. No, but I mean, it makes sense because, uh, you know, when it comes to survival, right? The two things, relationships or death, right? Mm -hmm. For ten million years, if you got kicked out of the tribe, you would die because you'd be living in the forest alone. So yeah, belonging like literally kicks up the amygdala and makes you go, holy shit, I'm going to die. Even though like, so what if you don't fit in with the bikers? It actually doesn't matter. But your brain is telling you, you're going to die. If you get kicked out, you'll die. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's very interesting. It, 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 it's like an interesting place to come from. Uh, it's a little scary sometimes. Also rejection in your brain. Like if somebody rejects you, uh, they've monitored it with you know probes or whatever it's actually as painful as like having your arm cut off so the same pain that happens when you have your arm removed is the same pain that happens when you get rejected wow i wonder yeah. how they set that experiment up i have no idea <laughs> it saves someone's life it's only a flesh wound Oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's like it's it's can cancerous, sir. We're gonna, but you're we're gonna put probes on your brain, and, and we're gonna monitor this to see to see how painful it is. Okay, it's not as painful as childbirth. That's all I know. Not as painful. Oh, uh, so the scale is like <laughs> childbirth, arm cut off, cut off, uh, and then right next to it, is and then there's other 
<laughs> and, and finally down, getting spanked. down at the bottom no. there's, there's getting spanked yeah getting spanked. The <laughs> and, then it starts, and it starts then that's the, the blur of the line and then it starts <laughs> pleasurable again <laughs> that's fantastic well we've come full circle <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure somebody's kink out there is like, man, I wish I had no arms. Oh, <laughs> These arms are just te tearing me down, tearing down. I love licking, licking stumps, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sure. There's, if this show has taught me anything, every, there is a kink for everything. There is definitely a kink for everything. Um, well, we've been chatting and I've been having a, a wonderful time. Um, I'm going to ask you one question. I haven't asked you any questions, I don't think. Or I, I probably did. <laughs> I, I did, but I didn't feel like I was asking questions. I felt like we were having a conversation. Okay, ask me a question. Okay, I'm going to ask you one question, and then, right. uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Can you remember the first experience that you had where you realized that you were a sexual being? I was eight. You... I was eight. You're eight. Mm -hmm. You want to hear about it? <laughs> yeah, I do. I want to hear about it. I, I found my grandfather's like ginormous like stack, stacks of Playboy magazines that he's been saving for like, I don't know, 50 years. And I was going through them and having such a great time. And I convinced my sister to go through them with me. We were in the basement of my grandparents' house. And my mom came down and found me. And they are pictures of women, you know, they're Playboys. And she says, do you like this? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, no, it's bad and wrong. And like, I got punished for it. And so uh, ever since, well, for many years, I denied my attraction to women because of that experience. Oh no, the internet. Oh no. Well, it's good that it's the end. Wrapping it up. Um, well, Heather seems to have frozen. My name is Alexander Scatino. This is Shh, Don't Tell My Mom, a web series and podcast. I hope you like, share, subscribe. Uh, visit me on the islandoftaboo.com. Thank you so much and have fun, people.